Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. We drink tequila. We talk. Welcome to Team Tequila Talks. Talk, talk. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, Cheers to us. Making the two of us in the studio today. But we have a really fun guest styling in today. Yeah, really fun guest styling in today. Everybody, welcome to Team Tequila Talks. Right now, you've got Cassandra Gina Mel and Sherianne Gonzalez, your hosts. We have a guest joining us in a little bit. And so we are going to be just warming ourselves up for that, like a foreplay, if you will. Well, funny you say that because <laughs> we are in the aphrodisiac lane of drinks today. Yeah. So we, fun fact. We forgot like half the ingredients for this cocktail today, which I feel like we're usually very prepared and I usually pack my bag the night before because I'm not a morning person, but then we had to hop on a call and we were talking on the phone and we were on the call while we were trying to get out the door uh, and you know, life happens. And when, when life gives you lemons, or in this case, limes... You make tequila. Yeah, you make cocktails. <laughs> so I went, to, I, I went to four different venues, including you know two mini-marts and a liquor store. It's, it's shocked me because I was looking for limes and a shaker, which we forgot, and egg whites. And I was looking for all of those ingredients. You'd think a mini-mart. They had, they had deli items but and milk and cheese but not eggs so i kept getting referred to a grocery store uh and then the liquor store i always thought that liquor stores had limes we were able to get some decent lime juice so you know we we were working with what we have here it's true but i feel like i remember liquor stores i mean now gosh we get everything through like saucy or or like specialty liquor stores or go puffer you know like i just i feel like i remember corner liquor stores they used when to have I little baskets to, of fruit they used yeah, to have like limes did, bananas right? and like apples so maybe people are going to traditional liquor stores less so people don't want perishables in there yeah probably i mean i don't frequent liquor stores like i used to no me i get neither. it delivered 100 percent. or you yeah. or maybe like bevmo because they did they doordash it's true right but I, I still i still do doordash for them or i'll just order it and then go pick it up real quick yeah, I mean, yeah. It's, I, I mean, it's fine. We ended up making it work. The only thing I didn't find was a shaker. And I went to the two mini marts and I thought, well, maybe if we have a, like a traveler coffee mug, right? Something that seals yeah. that we can really give it a decent shake because we have egg whites in this cocktail. And egg whites, you really have to give it a put some muscle into the shake for about two minutes to really froth it up we got some good froth here i used my muscles and you used your legs you got your steps in Ooh, i got my steps in. Today. and i got some little like shake weight in with shaking these <laughs> <Shake weight. laughs> i did the shake weight egg white shake i'm sweating by the way i am sweating too <laughs> it is also getting very warm and happy june happy pride too oh, i feel like i'm I wearing know. like my bright rainbow color i know i didn't get the memo well you know what here, here we are. This the board is rainbow. So. Yeah, true facts. Well, yeah. let's let's talk about this. So this cocktail is more in the aphrodisiac lane of cocktails. Now, I did a deep dive on aphrodisiacs. Is it a thing? I don't know. Science is saying there is no actual support that when they isolate certain compounds in like chocolates or oysters, it doesn't make the male rats hard or something. So, I think is that a technical term? It's um, I'm well. It was very technical. It was like, <laughs> but what I got from it was like, oh, nothing happened in the male rat. So what they about the female rat? Nothing. They think it's more 
psychological than physiological when you eat like chocolates, oysters, different things. Now, look, if you're drinking tequila, does it make you frisky? Probably. So maybe I would think that tequila is more of an aphrodisiac than anything else. So let's let's first tell the peoples what we are drinking here because we're I have thoughts on the aphrodisiac thing, which we'll circle back to. But we basically created a Team Tequila Talks original with some known I'm not, not going to say known because that means proven, but for from some rumored or uh, I guess I don't want to say myth, foods that are supposed to be known as aphrodisiacs. Aphrodisiacs, yes. Rumored aphrodisiacs, supposed yes. aphrodisiacs. So We're what's in the cocktail? It. We are drinking up like a pineapple mezcal sour type deal. So we have some tequila, we have some fresh pineapple juice, which is in the aphrodisiac lane. We have a tad bit of agave, a little bit of lime juice, that egg white that I shook to death, and a cup of ice and some aromatic bitters. Yeah. And it's actually, and I muddled this pineapple. And there's pineapple nutmeg on this, too. And a sprinkle of nutmeg. So yeah. there are three things in here that is making this more elevated into the aphrodisiac lane is the pineapple egg whites and the nutmeg, which they call the sexy spice. The sexy spice? It is nicknamed the sexy spice. I associate nutmeg with the fall and the winter. So I don't, I mean, to me, I think. I wouldn't say it's a summer like sport. Cozy, I would, flannel. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but maybe you feel warm inside because it activates yeah, all yeah. of the, the sensualities. That makes sense. Yeah. I, I, okay. So coming back to the aphrodisiac thing, and as always, we will post the recipe because it's, aphrodisiac aside, this cocktail is delicious. It's really, really good. I think the nutmeg and the pineapple kind of have this tropical thing and the mezcal is not too potent i don't taste a super heavy smoky i think the pineapple is canceling that out and the lime juice i will say if you are a baby mezcal drinker this is the drink for you because it's not smoky at all yeah it's actually I don't really very balanced smoky no. and we're maybe using, we need more yeah maybe we're using our um friends over at casamigos their mezcal and i feel like their mezcal is pretty taste forward it gets potent. pretty potent yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. Mm-hmm. so it surprises me that it is subtle here i mean maybe we're used to having like half an ounce more. We kind of like we took a basic sour recipe and mm-hmm. modified it, and you know swapped out some mezcal and stuff. Uh, but we also, I don't know, it's got a, it's, it's got painkiller vibes to me a little bit. Painkiller oh, like the like yeah, the tropical, yeah, the tropical. Cocktail. Yeah, it does. Maybe that's because they put that can be kind of like punch like and has the nutmeg on top, right? Yeah. But this is like perfect for summer if you wanted a mezcal oh, summer yeah. drink because of the pineapple. Yeah. And I only added like a bit of the pineapple i didn't go crazy i would for sure drink this poolside beachside etc this Absolutely. is i think a really really nice alternative to a painkiller i went to the i mean i've been to the caribbean a few times and i really will maybe only get one of those pina coladas or painkillers because they're so dense and they're so, so thick and yeah. they're so sugary and when you arrive in the caribbean you want your fruity drink with a with a funky umbrella and well, garnish. Well, you, you need that to start the week. Yeah, to like, say I'm here, to mentally, yeah. I mean, not that you need an alcoholic beverage, but it's nice to you get a just, mocktail. Get, yeah, you can get a mocktail. Um, for sure. Sometimes I've done that too. Uh, it's a long travel day and you don't want to, you're like, I just want to, I want to rest and I, I don't want to start off with a really heavy cocktail. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that this is a, ni- a really nice substitute for a painkiller or pina colada or rum punch without having all the boxed stuff every time i most of the time i've gone to the caribbean i've gone to a really cool highly recommended beach bar or something and said what's your specialty and they say 
painkiller or rum hunch or whatever and you watch them make it and they are pulling stuff out of boxes and cans yeah which is not our speed because it's syrupy and it has all the sugar and the preservatives and the coloring we have i mean if for those of you watching Mm -hmm. uh we have just muddled pineapple here fresh muddled pineapple with the muddler so you get a little bit of the juice you get the chunks so you've got your fiber in there too and pineapple naturally is very sweet but it's not off the charts in terms of uh, gi which means it's not going to crazily spike your blood sugar as much as other things could certainly not as much as canned or boxed pineapple juice from a bar is going to do so I think that if you are up for doing, this didn't take us very long. It took us longer to source the ingredients that we forgot than it did to make the cocktail. So we will post this, but I will be making this again this summer for sure in the heat when we are feeling tropical because it really wasn't that difficult. I think the harder thing would be to cut your pineapple you know, the little pokey things in the pineapple. There is hard to work around. Yes. I actually had this pre-diced. It's fresh yeah. pineapple, but it was pre-diced and sliced in its so own juice. And all yeah. I did was muddle it. Like, yeah. who has time to cut a pineapple? I do not. Yeah. And we also have, you know, your standard juicing a lime, or sometimes you can get clean, fresh-pressed lime juice. And I am going to encourage everybody out there to try this cocktail because it's very good. We have some things that we try here at Team Tequila Talks and they don't work out. Yeah, <laughs> but this is actually very summery. I mean, it's, it's very on time. Question. We were talking about the aphrodisiacs. Mm-hmm. I personally don't believe I've eaten a, a shit ton of oysters before and it doesn't really do anything for me on the sexual front. That said, I can understand how when you are eating an oyster, you're doing the thing with the lip and the like, ooh, and it look, kind of looks like you're, it's phallic. Well, it's, right? it, well, supposedly shaped, the, an oyster supposedly shaped like a feminine. Oh, a feminine, yeah, vul- yeah, yeah. Is yeah, it okay, the vulva? Yeah. yeah. And it's, so people associate oysters with that. And chocolate is just candy. So I feel like that's going to give you a high, but chocolate actually has something well, called phenylethylamine and they call it that the love chemical well i think that when you eat chocolate you're just happy you're satisfied um you know we eat really clean dark chocolate um we eat really clean dark chocolate so it's not loaded with a bunch of dairy and sugar and soy and all of that stuff and i always just sort of feel like my eating is done for the day i've ended it on a sweet note and Mm -hmm. like now i'm ready to go into the evening But I wouldn't say that it actually fires me up sexually either. No, it just makes me happy. Wait, I want to go over really quick before we introduce our guests over the three ingredients in here that makes an aphrodisiac and why. So pineapple has bromelain, and it's an enzyme that is found to trigger testosterone production, which can elevate a man's sex drive. Okay. Which is, I mean, so you can just like microdose your man every day. I've heard that if men (laughs) eat pineapple, they're... What's the rating on this episode today? Um, um, well, oh, I heard there, this. There's too. stuff. Well, maybe Mariah can help us with that. Sweeter. Yeah, we're yeah, going to have to have gonna, Mariah chime in on that. Our guest, Mariah yes. Brown, is going to be joining us in just, in a, just second. a second. So that's what's the pineapple. That's the tea on the pineapple. Then the egg whites are rich in vitamin B6 and B5. And they, they're, they're, they're a symbol of fertility and rebirth. But eating raw chicken eggs just prior to sex is said to heighten libido and maximize energy levels. Is it? See, I thought that this was more of an association, like eggs, fertility, subliminal. But I didn't think that the no. actual egg yes. chemically did anything. Yes. And nutmeg, last but not least, is known as Viagra for women. What? 
I know. Why it, am I not using nutmeg year-round? It, it imitates the effect of serotonin. The peculiar, the peculiar spicy taste of nutmeg can cause a, nutmeg can cause arousal, arousal, and the sharp, seductive aroma of the aphrodisiac spice gives your body a calming, relaxing effect, which I can agree. See, I thought that was just the fall and like eggnog and hot toddies and pumpkin spice lattes, which are all warm things with and nutmeg. All of them have nutmeg and they're yeah. warm. Yeah, yeah. so I'm yeah. just kind of like warming up, relaxing your insides. Yeah, we have our opinions on aphrodisiacs. I yes. personally think eating these aphrodisiacs, it's more about the act of you know feeding each other with oysters and stuff like that. Yeah, as opposed to the food itself. But who are we? We are not experts. Mariah <laughs> Brown is an expert. But Mariah Brown is an expert, and she is joining us all the way from Oregon. I like to say Oregon. I like Oregon. But I say Oregon, not Oregon. She is a Yale and functional medicine trained certified nurse midwives and has a master's in science of nursing and also a master of like all things feminine, divine energy. She is a healer. She is so dynamic. I met her a few months ago and I was like, I love you. Yes. Can I keep you in my pocket? (laughs) I wish I was a person. Is there anything you want to add to that glowing introduction? Yeah, so do we. But, you know, we, we, like we were saying earlier, we work with what we have. <laughs> yeah, no, that's great. I'm, I, I'm a women's health provider, and I, um, I'm a midwife, and I'm a lover of women feeling turned on by their life, their lover, and themselves. Okay, so what's your take on aphrodisiacs? I like them. I was just I was just catching the end of what you were saying. The other thing that's cool about pineapple is it's one of the few foods that actually has serotonin in it. So serotonin is that hormone that is going to help with bonding, love, happiness, right? Anybody on an antidepressant, it's generally impacting the serotonin space. And pineapple is one of those. You want it ripe, but it actually is a source of serotonin. And yeah, I definitely think when when I've oh. eaten more, or my partner's eaten more, it's changed the smell and taste of our juiciness. Ooh, yeah. So that's so true. That's not I, a myth. That's I mean, not, I don't yeah, know. I've never, I've never read salty. in text, like but papers? I feel like I've experienced it. We've expected, like, experimented. <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's. I don't know where I heard that. I think I heard that reading like a Cosmo when I was seventeen, and it just stuck with me. Always listen to Cosmo. Well, I mean, we did back in the day. Do, do we still listen to Cosmo? No, we're no. I think we aged, aged out. out. Cosmo always had some good sexual tips, and um, I think they were very repetitive and kind of silly sometimes. But we have an expert here. We have Mariah. So we want to know what is like, what's, if, let's start with what is the biggest thing that people come to you for or are intrigued by or are asking yeah, your advice question. on? So, like you said, I'm a Yale-trained certified nurse midwife, and um, I moved into the online space about five years ago, and so then, you know, anyone, no matter where they are geographically, could reach out, and I thought that it would be, as like, be the hormone expert, right? So they would come to me with their menstrual irregularity and trying to get pregnant and and PMS and, and sleep and... Um, you know, all the things that show up with hormones, depression and anxiety. And and yes, women come to me for that. But what was striking from the beginning when I first stepped into the online space, my tagline has always been, I help women move from exhausted to energized, balance their hormones, and feel turned on by their life, their lover, and themselves. And what's been so striking to me is how many women come into my space specifically for the conversation around libido. And feeling turned on. And at first I had to go, 
wait a minute, <laughs> I'm a midwife, I'm a women's health provider, I've been running the women's health in various spaces since 2007. I, like my imposter syndrome kind of showed up. But I had to, I, go ahead. Interesting. Mm. I did. You, I mean, you're, you're talking about how to feel turned on and balancing out the hormones. And we recently had an episode where we were talking about sex dust and that is by a company called moon juice and they are medicinal mushrooms that you can put in your coffee or your smoothie. And it's called sex dust because it actually does help with your hormones. It's the primary use is to help with your hormones, which in turn helps with your sexual hormones. Um, but I think they're just you know, sexual hormones in general, but I also feel like it helps during that time of the month and during your cycle. Same company, Moon Juice, makes a, um, an oil, a topical oil, and it is a mushroom-based uni oil, and they, um, it's just sort of for vaginal health, yeah. but I find that it also it helps does. For, It does help for the bedroom. It does. Yeah. So what do you use to balance out hormones? Because we're talking about medicinal mushrooms. I know Oregon just made psychoactive mushrooms well it goes legal, into effect correct? 2023 yeah. officially okay it, it, okay. it is so in the past but yeah. it goes it's into in effect mail. starting 2023 and it's not just legislative passing that it becomes legalized but also um, legalization of training practitioners to actually facilitate journeys and ironically i'm hosting an in-person women's retreat that's happening everyone's flying in june 22nd and the retreat center that i've reserved it was just bought out by a company out of Amsterdam, and that's why they bought it, is the intention is starting 2023, um. it will be um, a space for people to come and use medicinal mushrooms. So when you mention sex dust, there's, there's a couple things going on. So generally, when I think of mushrooms in that context, my guess is you're talking about adaptogens. Yeah. So adaptogens, yes. yes, absolutely. They come from the plant, botanical, and mushroom kingdom, and they're all phenomenal. They go into the body and help the body better adapt to stress. And so when our stress adaptation is being addressed, then the, bo the body, here's the way that I look at it, is the body's either going to be in stress or bless. Okay. So you're saying Pretty no much. gray area. It's either parasympathetic, sympathetic. It's I feel safe, I'm calm, my breath is calm, my digestive system is on, my clarity of thought is on, my hormone production is on, or I'm being chased by a lion, so to speak, and blood flow is being fight or flight, and the blood fight flow is using, being used very differently. So as we add in adaptogens, like when you're talking about aphrodisiacs, I think of Shatavari is the first one for me. It's around feminine juiciness and it's mm. masculine feminine partner is ashwagandha. So those two from an adaptogenic perspective, when you're bringing in the sex dust, which I'm not familiar with, I'm guessing it's filled with adaptogens that are coming from mushrooms and then mm -hmm. sometimes used topically, particularly um, like Uber Lube or um, O-Shot lubrication, they're also bringing in CBD as an adaptogen. And then that has all sorts of kind of medicinal properties to, to you know, bring the juiciness, increase blood flow to the vaginal area, to the yoni is what I heard you say. And then many of them will also bring in DHEA, which is, is a hormone precursor that's going to help stimulate estrogen and testosterone production, particularly for like vaginal dryness. Um, and then there's reverie, which is hyaluronic acid in, as a vaginal suppository. I mean, there's so many things that we mm -hmm. can talk about, but I think 
your question was around um, what do women come to me for? And so the long answer is they come to me mm -hmm. because they're feeling tired. They're feeling like something is up with their hormones. They're not getting the answers that they're looking for. Um, I hear a lot of women say, you know, I'm going to providers. They're ordering these labs. They're telling me everything's normal, but I don't feel normal and I don't want to be prescribed another drug. And so it's generally like, how do we get at this from diet, lifestyle, supplementation, mindset, energy work? And then there's this whole conversation around libido. And surprisingly to me, and I've had to just root in and go, oh, this is what it is. And this is the energy that I hold and women come in is I'm helping women feel turned on by their life, their lover, and themselves. And that's hormones. Yeah, that's our relationship with sexuality. That. That's our relationship with our career and how we're spending our days and all of it. If yeah. you're feeling inspired and artistic, you want to get frisky. Yeah. And if you are feeling bored and stagnant, then you probably just want a nap. And I was going to say, like, overall health. And I think when you, when women think, I know we're multitaskers. What is the word you used when you describe Dif what women do? Diffuse what, what's awareness, that science word? Maybe is that what you're referring to? That's exactly the, and describe yeah, to people. Yeah, so this comes from Alison Armstrong. Um, Alison Armstrong, she's been studying the male and female brain forever. I've interviewed her in my podcast. She's written lots of books. Celebrating Partnership is the first one that I listened to on Audible. But she talks about diffuse awareness in like how the female brain works. And it, it makes sense from an evolutionary, like hunter-gatherer perspective. We as women... And I'm talking in very binary terms, and, and hopefully this is, you know, uh, it's just, anyway, I'm going to keep going. Um, you, you, they go out <laughs> to the field, and obviously I'm going to go, I'm aware of the storms that are coming. I'm aware of my children and their sounds in the background. I'm aware of the other women out in the field in very different places. I know that those bushes over there, that, that those berries are poisonous. This bush here... I'm harvesting the berries that are ripe now, but I'm also noticing back behind the bush, those are going to be ripe tomorrow versus a week from now. And I'm aware of the predators that are coming. And so it's diffuse awareness. And the way that that shows up today is our brains haven't really changed that much evolutionarily. And so I can walk downstairs and I can notice that the dishes need to be done. There's dust on the mantle. My children, the lunch needs to be packed. Those toys need to be put away. I'm thinking about all the appointments that I need to make. I'm getting ready for the calls that I have today. Oh, yeah, I need to call the grocery store and do my Instacart order, whatever it may be. All of those things are literally yelling at us at equal decibel of sound. And it's very different in mm -hmm. what Alison Armstrong or what I've heard from Alison Armstrong in, in how the female brain works. And so the way that that shows up is I think of it as emotional labor that's playing in the background all the time. And so we need, we, it's imperative that we find time for just rest and digest, to be still and to allow ourselves to prioritize ourselves and rest because otherwise the bombardment all day long of all the things that we're thinking about and all of the responsibilities and all the people that we're caring for all day long, we inevitably forget to like breathe. We don't, we don't realize that we're butt clenching all day long. <laughs> we end up constipated and forgetting. <laughs> Jaw clenching too. What was it? Jaw. Do that sometimes. Mm -hmm. Chocolate? Yeah. yeah. 
Jaw I do jaw clenching sometimes. I don't really yeah. jaw clenching like, you know, yeah. and I don't realize that I'm doing it until I wake up and yeah. I'm like, Shoot. sore. You're sore. Your masseters yeah. are like, sore. you don't realize that you're clenching and you think, well, but why? I guess this stress has built up in my day. I think it's really interesting that you're bringing up this concept because I always joke around with my husband that it's a stereotype for a reason, but men can't multitask. No. They can't. And I am I have told him again time and time again, it's not your fault. You're not wired to multitask. Think back to caveman days. Women had seven kids and you gotta provide, you gotta cook for all of them, you gotta keep this one out of the fire. Oh my yeah. gosh, there's a lion around that one. Right. Where's the fourth one? This one is climbing on a rock and I need to make sure they don't fall off. Meanwhile, men are wired. Go provide food, go kill yep. deer, bring deer back, yep. and then procreate. It's kind of like it's just horse feed. blinders. It's just horse blinders. And we just don't, for good reason, we don't have. I don't know if you saw this Instagram video that's gone viral the other day. It's a mom walking with her kids, like I think it was in Oklahoma City, and she sees another a mom ahead of her, and she, her kids aren't in a stroller, and the, her little one goes to like step off the curb mm -hmm. and she just snatches him up and like pulls him into the side. And then they stop and chat for a while. And then they went on, they went to like MSN, picked them up. And she was like, she's like, I just, you know, I was watching the little guy. He was towing the line, but she had her baby on like a little skateboard mm -hmm. and in the stroller. And I told Rick, look at this. A dad would have been looking up here, not down here. Here, when we see little people, I feel like our minds just go look at that little person, especially if you already have a little person. Well, I, I don't think that it is bad that men and women have these differences. No. I think that we have to acknowledge that there's a, a real biological hardwired difference between men and women, 100%. And with men, we also, I know that I couldn't chase an antelope in the wild and catch it and kill it. My I, husband probably could. Probably could. And it's, I, I, and it's not, again, it's not saying that I could. I'd probably find, I'd have to outsmart it though. Yeah. Like I couldn't actually yeah. go chase it and kill it. Right. And I'm not saying that either are better or worse. I'm just saying that men and women are wired differently in the way that they utilize yeah. their brains. And it's not a bad thing. It should be celebrated. Right. So mm -hmm. why do you think... The female libido has gotten so complicated. I feel like when you're 18, 20, sex is easy. You're like a bunny rabbit and you're like, oh, me, sex, you. Okay. I mean, granted, however you want to take that. But then when you get older, after you have kids, and I'm not saying 50, I'm talking about just multitasking with your career and your kid and a husband. It kind of goes me, 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 me. And it, it has spikes, but it's not always at that level that is it was it physiological or is it life getting in the way is it psychological? well i love all this conversation my my first thought is maybe we've made it more complicated than it really needs to be so a woman's erogenous zone is her entire body and our arousal system is responsive not spontaneous and so um when we're early in our fertility years and we're wanting to attract a mate and we're, you know, having sex like bunny rabbits, yes, our physiology is different. Our hormones are different. Our ovulation is raging. Um, and as we age and go through different chapters of our life, responsibility shifts, that diffuse awareness and all the different balls that we're juggling shifts and our desire for depth and to be seen and heard changes. And so when I say a, a woman's arousal system is, is responsive rather than spontaneous, what I mean by that is for most men, 
they could have a long, stressful day at work, and there's a nuclear siren going off, and their beautiful woman walks in front of them naked, and they have an erection. Like, boop, spontaneous, ready to go. Yeah. <laughs> the nuclear. The yeah. nuclear yeah. warhead is headed, but uh, those that butt. I feel like guys all the time just have those things pop up, and it's like, but it's, why? I don't know. They just say, no, like, yeah. like, and then just well, it's just actually a reflex. They, they operate just like we don't necessarily control that our yeah. heart rate goes up when we're watching a scary movie, or if you look in the rearview mirror and you see that you're getting pulled over by a cop, like your your palms sweat, your heart race, races. An erection, for the most part, is is an actual kind of physiologic response. It's not something that they necessarily control, particularly when they're feeling. Did you just spill your drink all over yourself? <laughs> I did. I got a chunk of pineapple or egg or something, yeah. and you know what? It's okay. We're gonna go um, with it. Yep. <laughs> and so, so when they when we feel safe, and the nervous system is calm, you know that. How ironic that many men will wake up with a woody. But for a woman, our, for the most part, our arousal system is responsive. So, for instance, in the morning, we walk downstairs and he's done the dishes. And he walks past us and gives a little caress and a kiss on the back of our neck and then sends a sweet text message. And then we get flowers in the, in, at their front door. And then there's, hey, babe, I want to take you on a date. Make sure that you're ready at this time. And, oh, I'm giving you some extra time to make sure that you've showered and you feel really ready. Like that? Would both of you agree? Like, woo! All right, I'm aroused. Uh, yeah. Well, my therapist said foreplay starts at eight a.m. When your feet hit the floor, that's when foreplay doesn't start the fifteen minutes before you have sex. It's literally a long day yeah. of like being taken care of. Not in a sense of like, let me rub your feet. Just hey, let me take that little load off you. Right. Oh, I got that. Oh, I'll do this. I'll do that. And then it frees up the kind of what is it called? Um, like your motherboard, it frees right. up your circuits to kind of think of, oh, nur- yep. nourishment, um, right. you know, love, care, where you're not really... Safe space, security. Yeah, yeah, it's like your bandwidth. It increases your bandwidth yeah. for, the, for the nurturing side of yourself, yeah. We want to feel seen. We want to feel heard. That's why women in my space, I have them do their love language quiz. We do, we look at our erotic blueprint, not because it's dogma, but because we get to be in that space of self-exploration. What does turn me on? right? How do I mm-hmm. express love and really feel loved, right? And, and the more we, when we're in partnership where we can share that and understand if a woman's arousal system is responsive, meaning all day long, and our erogenous zone is our entire body, turn on becomes more complex because as we grow older, we have more responsibilities and there's more kind of yelling at us in that diffuse awareness conversation. So hence, it becomes that much more important to, I always say no permission needed. Rest is required, not earned. We get to prioritize ourselves. We get to fill up our own cup. We get to add those amazing adaptogens in, feed our body, remind ourselves to eat and drink and create moments of pleasure acknowledging yeah play, play. yeah and live life right something that smells good and tastes good and looks yeah. good yeah, so go, i have yeah, a yeah, question yeah. for you i am a big fan of energy work and setting intentions and this you know a lot of people confuse that with toxic positivity if they don't know a lot about how to utilize energy and intention it's not just about everything's gonna be okay i'm sure of it everything's gonna work out 
it's not about that. It's about going, okay, well, these things could go wrong, but these things could go right. And I'm going to intentionally try to take this, this route instead of this route. And no matter what the circumstances, I'm going to make lemons out of lemonade or glass half full or whatever cliche you want to say, and I'm going to Mm -hmm. make the best of it. So that to me is optimism. That is positivity. Would you say that combination of what Sherry's saying, foreplay starts at 8 a.m., but would you say setting an intention at some point during the day for where you want to end up in the evening is is a useful yes. tool? Yes, and there's so much about what you're saying that I love. There's this like law of attraction, so to speak, affirmations, intentions, and some people say, oh, but it's just all positive. Like, are we neglecting to actually address the the negative emotions that are there right so I think first inside then outside so where it all begins is inside meaning in our mindset so we get to actually start looking at the thoughts and feelings that are firing out of us and reassess we're all just telling ourselves stories all day long so can we shift the story can we shift the expectation Mm -hmm. can we start creating intentions affirmations and I also think that there's time and space for tapping, emotional freedom technique to acknowledge the polarity and tap it out to kind of depolarize the intense emotions because otherwise we just stuff it down all day and I think it has to come out. Otherwise, it's going to be a volcano. It comes out in those little snappy Ooh, moments. Or big snappy moments. Mm-hmm. The viper's out. <laughs> yes. And so, snake yes, in regard to setting a time, I think that there's a lot of value if you're in partnership or in a sexual relationship to be able to have agreements where we go, all right, um, what are my pumpkin hours? What are my desserts? And what are some agreements? And this, once again, comes from Alison Armstrong, too. So pumpkin hours are, what are those timer moments when, like, you think about Cinderella and the clock strikes midnight and every, she, the, it turns back to a pumpkin? Like, what are those moments for you that it's kind of like if your partner tries to instigate lovemaking, you feel kind of resentful. Like, this is a pumpkin hour for me. For me, between... You know I have to be up in five yeah. hours or yeah. something. Yeah, beyond 1 yeah. a.m., I'm resentful because I know myself. I'm in that perimenopause chapter where if I wake up, I get the adrenal cortisol surge, and it takes me a really long time to go back to sleep, even after multiple orgasms. It's still... I feel resentful. Or multiple. 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 Ma'am. Hold on. Let's talk let's more pause. about that. Yeah. Wait. Yeah. I didn't mean to cut you off, but it was a perfect seg- segue. I told Cassandra that you said there's three or four different types of orgasms. I've never heard this. I grew up grew up i mean you know came of age I what guess. are you 100 um i just you know talking about reading those stupid yeah. cosmos back in the day i thought that there were only two kinds of orgasms internal and external for females and just one for men I, like you kind of know when i well, i haven't i haven't had i haven't <laughs> experienced all the different types of orgasms but i've chatted with people who have and part of my team i have um a sex therapist and a sexologist that's part of my internal space that women come in, and so I, I'm privy to some really fun conversations. So, of course, clitoral orgasms, that's the most common. 60% of women, that's how they orgasm. And it's so funny. A lot of women will go, I can't orgasm unless there's stimulation. I mean, that's the majority is clitoral. And, oh, by the way, the clitoris is not just that little pea-sized thing underneath the hood. It's actually a very intricate, large organ that goes down our labia minora 
and has legs and goes into the, that anterior wall of the vulva. So the clitoris is much larger than what we all give it credit. So there's clitoral orgasms, there's vaginal orgasms, there's anal orgasms, there's cervical orgasms, there's ejacul ejaculatory orgasms, yes, for women. There's all different kinds. For women who squirt? You're talking about the Correct. squirters? I've heard that's just pee. Is that wrong? No. Not pee. Not is pee. Is it pee? No. Really? I read an article that said we've debunked this. It is like 80% pee. Everything. So there's... um. Uh, there's a book called Female Ejaculation, and what they've actually... Just, just the somebody wrote a book. Yes, on and the they whole, found the actual prosthetic <laughs> en enzymes in the female ejaculate fluid. The experts that I listen to and chime in to say, no, it absolutely is a real, th a real thing, and it's not a woman urinating. It's actually part of the orgasmic experience. OMG Yes is another really fun resource. I don't know if you are either of you familiar with that. I am because you talked about it last time I saw you. OMG Yes is fun. Is it, it an it's app? It's an app and it's a it's a membership. They interviewed mm -hmm. like two hundred fifty thousand women around the world and turned it. There's seasons and it's compiled. It's spectacular just to see the variety of ways that women experience pleasure and the variety of ways that women reach orgasm. I had no. I mean, listen, I've been in vaginas for twenty two years. <laughs> As a, as a midwife and a women's health provider, and I've seen a lot of variety, right? Catching babies and doing pap smears and all the stuff. Um, I had no idea how much variety there is in how women reach pleasure. Mm -hmm. So omgs.com. We did like a women's circle event that Mariah hosted. And I think I, it was probably like 20 of us, I want to say, around in a circle. And everyone was pretty open. And I was just sitting there like, wait, what you can do and how women experience pleasure. And then we got to this whole like mental mind, body, soul type of a pleasuring moment when you reach that euphoric kind of orgasm. Well, I will say that one thing that I have spoken about to my husband that he is very jealous of is like, I will have like, I'll have dream orgasms. Yes. Men have it too. Fully Men in have my it too. Sleep. Men have and it too. And Steve is like, how do you do that? And I'm like, I, don't know. I just, I have dreams and then, it, and then it happens. I yeah. don't know what to tell you. Yeah. I mean, it's not, I'm, I'm asleep. Right. I'm not actively trying to, right. to do this. It right. just kind of happens. Is I, it, I don't know. Is it the mind body connection? I feel that women have. Has to be because yeah. there's no physical simulation when totally. you're asleep. No, no. first right? inside, then outside, meaning first in the mind. Once again, fight, flight, or freeze, you can have a bad dream. You can watch a scary movie. You could come around the corner and there's someone with, and you're being held at gunshot, right? In all those scenarios, whether they're real or being imagined, the body physiologically responds the same way, right? You wake up and, and palms are sweating, heart is racing, blood flow, blood flow goes to the organs to fight hard, run fast, or freeze. And so um, am I going to share? I'm going to share. Um, so my husband and I both can have multiples, and he's able to have multiples without ejaculation. And sometimes he can have an orgasm without touch. So it's literally just being expressed um, in his mental arousal. And when you um, – the erotic blueprint mm -hmm. is really fun because there are different kind of – types of erotic um, desires, uh, erotic types. And, you know, once again, we're not just, we're not, I'm not just a disprofile or ENFP or whatever it may be, but um, 
Goop, Sex, and Love ended up doing that Netflix series. And, and Jaya Love, who's the one that developed Erotic Blueprints, she does one of the first episodes. It's really fascinating. And so I think some of us might be more sensual, more erotic, more kinky. And so depending on what floats our boat, um, what, what turns us on can really vary. And absolutely. And right. And I feel like it changes from when you're younger. And I think a lot of women, a lot of us don't want to acknowledge that what we liked 10 years ago, we might not like now out of in like embarrassment for our husbands or our partners. But I find it's actually better when you're like, I'm good on that. That was a time. But now can we experiment with this where I feel like sometimes the male ego is something we protect. I think women, we definitely nurture our men or spouses or boyfriend um, male ego. And I think sometimes it's actually the opposite. If you, Because I think a man wants to get in there and do a good job. Like he wants <laughs> the thumbs up. And I think if you can be like, hey, I used to like that. I don't like that anymore. Well, tell me what you like. Yeah. It's like a freaking restaurant. <laughs> I'll try it this way. Absolutely. And I find that some women are like, I would never tell my husband that because that would break his heart. And I'm like, why wouldn't you? And I think I'm just a forward person that my, I think I am more sensual, more of the 8am foreplay starts at 8am for me. It's mm-hmm. not like a right before bed. Mm-hmm. Let's get this mm-hmm. done sometimes. But as I've gotten older, it's not, that's not my go-to thing. No, anymore. They, I was going to say, I think that the more open you are with your partner, the more connected to them you feel, which in turn leads you to have a more active, prosperous, and engaged sexual life. Because you always hear about back in the day, you know, people hooking up with their secret guys, hooking up with their secretaries or whatever. And it's like, well, you know, why'd you do that? And people would say, because I can get from this person what I can't get from this person. It's like, well, you probably could if you just asked or talked about it. Right. It's like the 80-20 rule. I don't know if this is real. Maybe you've heard about this where um, everyone's spouse or partner only gives them 80% of what they need. And then the other 20% you go find in something else, which is usually the the 20% is usually passion, Mm -hmm. aggressiveness, it's it's usually the hot and steamy stuff that you no longer get from your partner. Mm-hmm. And so that's why they say the 80-20 rule. But I think the 20 for me is always like, hey, this is what I like. And, you know, obviously, you know, men are easily more stimulated than women. So it's like for, for men, I feel like it doesn't really change as much as it does for women. But I know me more mentally, I need a different type. That's why it's interesting you talked about the types, if you're more sensual, like the erotica stuff and all that stuff, some people really get into that. And look, the multiple orgasm without ejaculation is, you know, mental. I feel like yeah. that's, that's like you're going places that maybe the aliens helped us go through <laughs> in the Egyptian days. Okay. But I'm saying it's maybe like aliens, higher we're, functioning. We're, we're back on the aliens. Well, again, I feel like sorry. it's the higher, fun- it's the higher functioning mind, um, you know. There's so much that I have to say. As we shift and change and age and hormones change and anatomy changes after childbirth specifically and into perimenopause and menopause and as we mature and start speaking our voice and having different desires and more on our plate, the thing that I ask women, is it that you don't? desire sex or is it that you don't desire the sex that's being offered to you and men absolutely for the most part really do want to please us and so the more that we can be specific with what it is that turns us on and doesn't the vagina is a rubik's cube 
And not only is it a Rubik's Cube, it's changing, right? So moving target right now, after this last baby I gave birth to, I like more stimulation from the right side of my clitoris better than the left. Like I have to figure that out for myself and then be able to share that with my partner. And in this 80-20 rule, I think that many of us that are in heterosexual relationships, we emasculate our men. Because we're asking them to show up as all things. We want to be able to talk to them like they're our girlfriend. And they did. we just want them to hear us. We want them to show up and help with the household, but then also show up as masculine, like go out and hunt and bring home the bacon and show up and please me. And, you know, a part of me feels like societally we're making it more complicated. And how can we shift as women, as powerful women, and allow ourselves to be in a receiving space, to relinquish control, to allow them the space to offer up to us and allow them space to be in their strong masculine. I mean, listen, I brought my husband home as the CFO this last summer, so I'm the breadwinner now. You betcha there's all sorts of complex scenarios in our relationship that we get to work through, and how do I still be in my feminine? Right, you've Mm. really got to find a way to embrace the divine feminine or even the worldly feminine, you know, the yeah. physical feminine. And you can still be the breadwinner, but fine. It, it's really, I guess, how do you find a way to make yourself feel feminine or to embody the feminine, even if that's checking the breadwinner yeah. at the door or checking the, the mom hat at the door? Because the shift from maternal to sexual, I mean, yeah. that if that's not a switch, that's a I tough mean, one when you're with kids mm-hmm. all day. And then the kids go to bed and it's like, you're just supposed to be boom into sexy mode. And that's, that's, that's difficult. It's hard to do a 180 and go from nurturing to sexual. 1000%. And I think, and I think one huge thing with the, you know, female earner dynamic is some women like develop an invisible male penis Mm. when they make more money. You know, oh. they, they call it woman with the penis syndrome because they're so powerful and they are at these board meetings and they have this company and other men listen to them that then they, some men say those women become extremely unattractive to me. They could be beautiful. The moment they open their mouth, dude's like, nope, energy penis thing. is down. Energy thing. Because, and those women are like, well, I'm in board meetings and like, I need a boss. I need a guy that's going to harness my energy. And I'm like, no man wants to be with a man if he doesn't want to be with a man. I mean, you some know? men might. No, some men might. their own and everybody's right. got their person. Right. But I but can see t- as a generalization what you're saying in yeah. terms of this being, for most men, it might make them feel a It's not, way. you're not able, like I know if my husband's around a woman with that kind of big dick energy, he's always like. Big clit energy? Yeah, but he calls it big dick energy. <laughs> he's like, and he's like, this woman is so aggressive. Like we'll just be like here having drinks without the mic and the thing, but, and, and she's just boom, boom, attack mode. Um, I want my opinion heard. I want, you know, I want to know everyone know that I'm super smart and I have my own co- company. I started from scratch and Rick's like, she's beautiful, but like she can't, yeah. mm-hmm. she's single for a reason. And I'm always like, cause women have a hard, when you fight so much, you have a hard time to say, let me take a step back, woosah, you know, meditate, do some affirmations. It's hard. Well, that's more of there's the yin and yang energy and masculine and feminine. And mm-hmm. that's really about finding the balance because you are allowed to embody both. But it's about having them both in your chamber and utilizing one or yeah. the other given the circumstance. Mm-hmm. We have to wrap it up pretty soon. I know, I'm sad. I know. I feel like that <laughs> went by so fast today. Um, but Mariah, what would be... Your, we talked about what people come to advice, come to you for advice on. 
But what would you say is your best kept secret or your best kept piece of advice that you would like to share with people that they can really put in their back pocket moving forward? I think the best kept secret is that you're enough, that you're worthy of greatness, you're worthy of splendor, you're worthy of feeling belonging, you're worthy of feeling loved and being able to safely express your love without worrying if there will be strings attached or that vulnerability will hurt down the road. But we all, as women, are worthy of um, being powerful and exceptional and change makers in the world and serving greatly and also being vulnerable and allowing ourselves to drop into feeling safe, being in a flow space. And that we're, we're just, we're absolutely, it's our God-given right, it's our birthright to be worthy. Worthy of feeling spectacular, feeling vibrant, feeling turned on, waking up to your day, feeling really excited about the day that you're going to live. And if that's not your reality, well, what are you doing about it? Well, and I think if you say, you're saying if it's not your reality, for a lot of people, they might hear that and go, but how do I get there? I feel like I'm so far away from that. And I know that when I have this ideological place that I'd like to be, it's not about all of a sudden embracing that at all times, but it's finding space in your day or even your week and saying, well, I know that this aspect makes me feel really loved and worthy and safe. So I'm going to take this part of my day or this part of my week, and I'm going to find my peace within that space and let it grow from there. It's more about planting a seed as opposed to just waking up one day and having this transformation happen where all of a sudden you feel like a rock star. It's about finding where it exists in your life today, right now, even if it doesn't feel like it is prevalent, but you got to find where it is, however small it may be, and Absolutely. expand upon Absolutely. that. And I think often it starts with right. gratitude. You know, I can think of it a time in my life where I was at a really low place. I felt trapped in my life, trapped in my body, trapped in my marriage. And someone said, well, my dad, he's like, you just need to feel happy. And I, I wanted to punch him in the face. It's like, that's asking a, a five foot two yeah. woman to just like jump across a river. And I went, that's, it's too much for me. But what I realized is if I'm offered stepping stones, to just do one step at a time, inevitably I'll make it to the other side. And so what that looks like is if feeling ecstatic is, is a, too much of a stretch for you, can you start with where do I feel satisfied? Mm-hmm. I feel grateful Absolutely. when I get in the shower and I have hot running water and I'm going to feel the running water on my body. I can look out the window and see beautiful blue skies or watch the way the wind is dancing on those leaves and it's beautiful. I can take a moment and put aromatherapy on my wrists and take a nice deep breath in and allow myself to really feel that deeply, right? Can we take moments of I'm taking this drink of water and it feels so good coming down my throat? And so what happens, like I love the Abraham Hicks scale of emotions, if we if we're deep in jealousy or mm-hmm. anger, me too. Can we just le- can we move up to pessimism? And if you're in frustration, right. as opposed to jumping opposed to, to joy, right? Because it's right. on the opposite end of the spectrum. And they've now proven that those emotions have real scientific Absolutely. frequencies. So you're you're really asking somebody to jump from a volume that's at right. a one yeah. to a ten, and which is saying, not. Don't jump from a one to a, a ten. Jump from a one to a two or a three, and then from there take a breath and jump and, from and do a three it, to a four. Yeah, 
and work your way up the scale. It's a stepping stone. Like, I think we're so accustomed to, Mm -hmm. I get my prescription, I take my Ambien and I, and I'm sedated within a half an hour. I take my pain medication and the pain's away within a half an hour versus that's really just Band-Aid care in my perspective. It's not, first of all, sedation's not sleep. And second, Mm -hmm. that ibuprofen that's taking away the menstrual pain is actually causing leaky gut and gut stuff. But can we allow for change to happen gradually, not by yourself. I think it's, I think we do ourselves a disservice to go, I'm just going to do this by myself. We need community, especially women. We get to ask for help. We get to receive Yes. and we get to allow ourselves baby steps over time, consistent daily over two, three, four, five months. And then you look back and you're like, holy macaroni, look at the progress that's been made. I used to live in revenge Mm -hmm. and blame and anger most of my days. And now I'm in optimism and I'm feeling hopeful, but I didn't jump across the river all at once. I allowed the stepping stones to be there for me one step at a time. Which I love. So consistency, consistency, Consistency. gratitude, grace, being kind to yourself and just stop and smell the roses. And find your stepping stones that work for you, which might look different for someone else. So there's your homework listeners. And Mariah Brown, thank you for joining us. We're going to link her. Her website is mariahbrown.com, but we're going to have all of her handles. Her retreat is coming up June 22nd to June 26th. I don't know if there's any spots available. There 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 will probably be more. (laughs) Okay. So we will definitely link you with the genius that is. I mean, honestly, this is just a snippet, tip of the iceberg type of deal with her. I feel like we could have gone for so much longer. I know. But we're just teasing everyone here. Well, we'll have to have you back. Thank you for joining us. Cheers, guys. Team Tequila Talks. You know what to do. Yes. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.